The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to a very casual episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast uh, here on a Saturday morning with uh, Jesse Roach and Jordan Rosenblum. Uh, we're uh, awaiting the start of the first of several off-season drafts in the Highlander Dynasty Invitational, and this is this is a big one. Uh, it's just twenty picks, but uh, there's it's going to be a lot of a lot of great players are going to come off the board, especially early on. Uh, but first of all, thanks Jesse and Jordan for for joining me. How are you guys doing? Really good. Uh, excited for this draft. Uh, it's again, you know, the first one, it's a poacher draft. So I think all of us are kind of sitting on the edge of our seats to see who is going to be, if anybody is going to be poached from our rosters. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a nail biter in a way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm doing good as well. It's uh, it's nice to be here. I'm pretty excited. Um, overstimulated now. Uh, ready for the draft. I think prob- I haven't asked everybody, but I feel like all 20 owners probably did their own projection um, of the of the first round, which I think is a testament to like just the level of enthusiasm for this um, this league. So fun times ahead. So uh, Jesse, do you want to maybe just kind of give like a? I, I know you mentioned it's like a, it's a poacher draft, but. Uh maybe kind of just a lay of the land of, you know, how many keepers does each team have at this point? Sure. Yeah. So if you've seen any of the prior episodes, we have three in-season designations. These are players uh, that are, you can, that for one is player that was taken after the sixth round or sorry, after the fourth round in the startup draft, uh, the next one was a player taken after a 13th round. And the last one is a rising star, which is a player who was taken in one of the last five rounds of the star draft or acquired on waivers. Uh, so there already are players taken from the pool. Then each team got to select three franchise players. And these can be anybody. I mean, typically the three best players on your roster. Uh, so they're all removed from the pool as well. So that left everybody else everybody else on every everybody's team is available to be selected but you can only take one player per team except for the winner (laughs) the cost of winning this league partly is that you can get up to three players taken from your roster uh and in this league it's the itch uh he was the league winner uh he has a loaded roster and i think that there's a chance 
that he may have three players poached. Yeah, I mean, big big congrats to the itch for winning oh, yeah. the inaugural season. Uh, I mean, I think he really did it with just outstanding depth. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a very, very deep team. Uh, I would say there's probably no true standout superstar on his team. He has like Luis Robert, who, you know, I would say was not like a major contributor to his team last year due to injuries and late season collapse. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, he's, he's one of his top players, uh, who, of course, was a second, se- second half superstar for him. But uh, he wasn't necessarily con- – he wasn't contributing in the first half of the season. And, of course, there's O'Neill Cruz he also has, uh, who – uh, those are his three franchise players, <laughs> which are very good, but you, you know they are not necessarily players who are top ten players right now. Uh, he just has a lot of depth, uh, and as James mentioned, I mean this is a really loaded roster from top to bottom. Uh, you know, I I could go, I don't know, fifteen players deep, and I'd still be looking at players who I consider top three hundred players. Uh, clearly top 300 players uh, for Dynasty. So he did a really good job drafting, did a great job on waivers. Uh, what His rising star is Jackson Chirillo, for example. Uh, so, you know, look, he definitely, in my mind, deserved to win the league based on his draft and, you know, waiver acquisitions. Uh, we'll see how it plays out during this draft uh, and if he comes out of it uh, a little bit unscathed. Uh, but, you know, I will encourage everyone to – uh, try to punish the league winner. <laughs> yeah, if you, I, I just pulled up the available players for the itch. If you if you look at that far right uh, roster and just just look at that pitching that he has um, for a twenty team league: mm-hmm. Gonsolin, May, McKenzie, Quantrill, Rasmussen, Springs, Verlander, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Camilo Duvall, Josh Hader. I mean, that's 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 a recipe for for winning a twenty team league right there. Yeah, those are the available players. Right. right. <laughs> so, you know, there's even, you know, he is, he even kept uh, some players that, let's see, he kept Edwin Diaz. So he also has Edwin Diaz. And of course, he kept Jacob DeGrom. So it is a loaded pitching staff uh, for his team. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out through this draft. Uh, but, I mean, again, congrats. It was a fantastic season. Yeah. And he really nailed those uh, decisions with the underdog and, um, rising star too. Well, you mentioned Cheerio, and I think Edwin Diaz was the other the other guy. Yeah, Edwin Diaz is his uh, face of the franchise. So that was okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, his first designation. His uh, underdog is Christopher Morel. Uh, okay, I remember. Remember, he had a debate between Morel and Gonzalez, and we'll see how that ultimately plays out. I think right now, I probably would. I mean, at the time, I think right now I prefer Gonzalez, but of course, you know, I I think that there's a lot of skepticism about Gonzalez's performance. Uh, moving forward, uh, he's available in this draft. I don't want to talk about him too much until he gets, uh, until and if he gets drafted. But uh, I, we'll see. We'll see how these designations play out. I mean, Jordan, you have uh, Joey Gallo, who was uh, your face of the franchise, and um, yeah. hey, look, shift shift change, maybe right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that long ago that you guys. Um, I didn't make it to that one, but you had criticized the Gallo pick, and it's kind of funny because uh, <laughs> if you look now at all the decisions, that was easily. The worst decision of any team. So, so hey, we, I'll, I'll we give we you guys that one. I've I've <laughs> made I've made some bad decisions. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. I mean you can't you can't. Uh, everybody <laughs> has has some has some uh, losses, I guess. Yep. But yeah, that's a, I think the unique aspect of having to kind of lock people into these decisions. 
is that, you know, there are going to be losses and it will happen to probably everyone here or there. Um, and people who can kind of, I guess, have advanced player evaluation and kind of project these players moving forward the best, or I guess the luckiest in some cases, uh, are going to get us a substantial advantage in a lot of cases. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's each of those decisions is such a kind of a high leverage decision that like I think that's what makes the league uh, or part of what makes the league so fun is that you just throughout the calendar there are these sort of moments where it's a it's a huge decision and you gotta gotta get as many of them right as you can. Uh, it looks like we got uh, Drew Sperling. Hey, Drew. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, hey. thanks Drew. for joining us. Um, potentially a last second trade here before the draft. I'm kind of on the fence. Oh, wow. <laughs> you want to elaborate? Um, well, um, is it, is it only the three of us that can like, this isn't, no one else can. Well, well these, it's, live. It's, it's, it's live, right? I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many people are watching it, but, um, oh man. Yeah, but you don't. You don't. You can keep it close to the best if you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Drew it, does it, have a lot of picks. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely. Uh, it, it would involve trading two first-round picks for a high-profile player, and essentially, I'm I'm sort of on the fence about how that would affect uh, like the depth of my team, and it it seems like it seems fair in theory, but I, I'm I'm sort of questioning if that would be healthy for uh, the way that I have to build out the rest of my roster. Yeah. And, you know, depth is definitely a, an ongoing concern for many of us. I mean, this is not a 30 team league, but we do have five starting outfielders in a 20 team league. For example, Um, there is a corner infield spot and a middle infield spot for a 20 team league. So uh, depth, is definitely a, an ongoing concern we have uh, as managers. And I think it's something that some of us may not have even fully appreciated when we did the start draft uh, and how that would impact our uh, lineup decisions during the season and how we would handle waivers. I think it's, yeah. it's, more, it's more sort of an emphasis on depth than your typical 20-team league because yeah. of uh, not just the roster situation or the, the lineup spots, but uh, there's not as much of a – you know, in a lot of 20 teams, team leagues, you'll have like five teams that are just flat out tanking and not starting any big leaguers or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's not the case here. Yeah, there's yeah. a motivation in this league to have the most plate appearances and innings pitched as you can, because that's how draft order is determined. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea to fully you know devote your roster to youth and prospects uh you can you certainly can do it but you are likely going to be forfeiting draft spot to do it yeah i think i've never actually experienced the sort of win now premium in a dynasty league that i saw like in the first half of the season last year um i think just with all of us scrambling for at bats and it and it being the the first year of a startup and also the fact that there's 280 starting spots but there's only 270 starting like MLB spots, like 30 teams, nine, nine hitters. Um, so that made the premium on depth really important. And and to demonstrate like, well, Jason Dominguez was off to a really uh, crappy start and I gave him to Brett for uh, like Tommy Listella or something after a month. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, then I cut, I cut Listella pretty soon after it. And Jason was amazing for the rest of the year. So um, 
but yeah, that was the kind of like I felt a lot of a lot of stress about filling out the roster. We just we just got joined by the the league winner. Itch, how you doing? Good. Came in and muted myself, so I got to read it. I think you traded Listella to me maybe twice, at least. Yeah, man. <laughs> you gotta always be always be trading and and uh, trading away and reacquiring Tommy Listella. <laughs> The Jordan is, if you don't know, Jordan is probably one of the more active traders you will find in in the league. Um, uh, He definitely showed it off. I think he traded Carlos Rondon Rodon like three times. (laughs) Something like that. It was crazy. But yeah, congratulations, uh, Itch. It was a fantastic season for you. And it will be interesting to see how this draft plays out for you. (laughs) Uh, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't play out well. (laughs) Sorry. I thought about it. I have this little window open, and I haven't had a window open to jump in on any of them. I thought, should I sit out of this just so I don't want to be in the room, don't want to draw any (laughs) unnecessary eyeballs my way? Just right by my roster, if you don't mind. (laughs) <laughs> we are now joined by Chris Fargus. How you doing, Chris? What's up, y'all? See you guys. Hey, Chris. Good to see you. Chris Chris and, has the second pick right, in this yeah. draft. Uh, he's probably eagerly awaiting what is about to transpire at first overall, which we're almost on the clock for. Is there a trade? I, I, miss, I just popped on now. Uh, there may be. I think that there's uh, some contemplation about the, whether or not well, there will be a trade. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll I'd find out very soon. I'd put it at about 55 no, 45 yes right now. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm leaning towards uh, the, the depth scenario. I, I just I don't know if I can justify it. I really want to, and the value uh, in, a, in theory is probably definitely fair. And if it, if it were a league that didn't involve the keeper situation, I would probably definitely do it. But then obviously the draft would be different. So, but yeah, I would say probably not at this point, but it was definitely a strong consideration. All right. Well, it is now noon. So the draft has begun. And uh, again, this is a poacher draft if you're just joining us, which means we are going to be poaching from players that are not kept. Uh, These are players that were we had three franchise players kept and then three designations uh, that were a range of uh, quality, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, But there's going to be a lot of very good players available. Many rosters have multiple very good players available, and it'll be intriguing and interesting to see which exactly is poached. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we have the first pick. It is Vinny Pasquantino. <laughs> Did not forget about that one. It's me. Yeah, so that is from Chris, right? Yep. Yeah. Chris, Chris, was that a before you make your pick? Was that how tough was the decision to to leave Vinny unprotected? Uh, not tough for me compared to the three guys I kept, who were Bryson, Trout, and Olson. Um, I. You know, I, I could have done more to try to move, potentially move Vinny um, and lose a, a lesser player, but uh, not a close decision for me. Makes sense. All right. Well, that means Chris's team is closed. So no one can take any players from Chris the rest of the draft. Uh, small sigh of relief, I'm sure, for you, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I expected to lose Vinny at some point in the draft. So. Expected outcome for me. All right. Well, you're on the, on the clock right now. Um, you have, for the purposes of this draft, we're giving people a fairly uh, loose time, but we're going to say about two to three minutes to make their selections. Uh, while Chris thinks about this, we can talk about Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, James, what are your thoughts on uh, what Italian breakfast, or there's another nickname that he prefers, correct? Well, he prefers Italian breakfast, I think. I, oh, okay. <laughs> um, that, that one's, that one's uh, taken over for Italian beef, which I was trying to get going. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's I think he's like a top 40 player for Dynasty, top 50. Um, you know, just seems very, very safe. Don't like the park. Don't love the lineup, but everything else seems great. Yeah, my biggest concern would be the park. Uh 
for sure. You know, I, I'm i not quite as high, I think, as others are on Pasquantino, but obviously the bat-to-ball ability, the play discipline, and the ball power are all, you know, they they check a lot of boxes, <laughs> a lot of boxes. Uh, but, uh, and obviously his debut was incredibly impressive, and uh, I definitely can see uh, the love. And I definitely think in in OBP formats, he would definitely get a boost. Um, in in straight up standard formats, it's it's not quite as big a boost, but you know he's definitely a top one hundred player for sure. And Chris, Chris's pick is in. Chris, do you want to announce your pick? I'm taking Luis Castillo with the second pick. All right, Luis Castillo. I like that pick. And Akeem is Akeem's players are gone now, and uh, the interesting thing there is he also had Jeremy Pena, I believe. Um, so probably and Will Smith, Will Smith, yeah, yeah. probably a, a few of the ten or twelve best options. Okay, next person on the clock is oh, wait for it, Alex Sanchez again. Um, so we'll see what he decides to do hopefully he's not like heartbroken by uh chris's pick there let's see well it would be fair considering he just stole uh pasquantino's from chris so <laughs> a little revenge from chris <laughs> yeah this also means that akeem is closed out for this draft which i'm sure disappoints many <laughs> ken balderson just joined us hey ken Hi guys, just Steve's dropping. <laughs> Welcome the board. Uh, do we want to let's talk about Luis Castillo? Uh, anyone have thoughts on Luis Castillo? Obviously, the move from Great American Bar Paul Park to Seattle was a great one for him for fantasy. Uh, it should give him you know even better ratios. And uh, you know if he gets all three of those pitches working for him, his fastball slider and or both fastball slider and changeup, all four pitches, uh, he could be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I feel like he also has an element of safety that maybe some of the other potential SPs that are available don't. Like he he's been really consistent with what he does. That was definitely part of my thinking compared to some of the other guys that were out there similarly aged or even a couple of years younger. Um, he felt like he had a higher floor to me. Um, and a buddy of mine was, I was talking to this, talking about this with a buddy of mine and he was pointing out that although Castillo's 30 already, which makes me feel very old, um, he has relatively small MLB innings compared to other 30 year olds. Like he kind of came up later. And um, so that was another sort of point in his favor for me. Yeah, I love that pick. I think uh, the other options were also very good. You know, Will Smith, I think part of the reason why maybe Will Smith may not have been the one that was being poached, right, uh, would have been be partly because this is a 20-team league. Uh, there, the, there's are, There is depth issues at other positions, but catcher, you know, there are going to be catchers available on – agency on waivers so i think you know that's sort of a strike against someone like a will smith uh, in favor of someone like luis castillo uh, for sure okay does anybody remember didn't he come from the marlins for very little i'm looking for like his initial came up with the marlins and then they just yeah. gave him away yeah I'm trying to remember there was another pitcher who was uh 
more developed at the time though. Let's see. Thanks to Rayleigh. Right. <laughs> All right, well, it's Alex Sanchez on the clock uh, again. So we'll see what he ends up doing. Uh, he's been incredibly active prior to this draft. <laughs> he's been moving all over it. Uh, he made a trade with me, actually, to acquire the first overall pick. I moved down to nine and got a few other picks in the process and moved up in other picks. Uh, and he also uh, traded Vlad Guerrero Jr. to me <laughs> in a separate trade. Uh, and I traded him Pete Alonso and Ellie De La Cruz, and I acquired the 20th pick in this draft. Uh, so he's been very active. That was a massive, massive deal. Uh, and I'm hoping, I mean, obviously, I really wish that Ellie turns into everything we hope and dream of him. Uh, but if he does, it will make that trade very painful for me, probably. <laughs> And we're joined by Drew Wheeler. Hey, Drew. Hi, friends. Glad to be here. Hey, Drew. What's up, Drew? <laughs> Very <Yeah>. little. <laughs> got a got a full house. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Drew has the fifteenth pick, and uh, I guess of the of those that are in this room right now, the next pick coming up is the fifth pick. That would be Andrew Sperling. Uh, he is the fifth pick. Uh, we were waiting on Alex Sanchez, and he has made his selection. He takes Anthony Volpe. Wow. Shortstop prospect for the Yankees. Volpe what? has been poached from. Team was it? That's from Cross. From Eric Cross. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Um, uh, interesting what? choice. I mean, I. I guess everyone, for context purposes, uh, we can talk about this now. Eric had a lot of options to be potentially poached in this draft, uh, including Andres Jimenez, Tyler Glasnow, Dalton Varsho, Anthony Volpe, Christian Javier. And so I think, uh, you know, I did not necessarily expect Volpe to be the one. Granted, I think Volpe's a fantastic selection, especially uh, for what I think Alex's build is. And he's going, I think, young at this point. Uh, so, you know, Volpe probably arrives as soon as this year. And, you know, there is legit five category potential with Volpe. I mean, he's, he may not be the fastest in the world, but he has fantastic base running instincts and, and skill, and he's going to steal bases. Yeah. I, I probably would have, I probably would have gotten glass now personally. Yeah, he was, he was actually a top guy on my board. So, um, but I mean, that's testament to Eric for having so many good players to choose from. Yeah. I might have gone even Jimenez there. It's it's tricky. I think that you know Eric did have a lot of great players to choose from. It's uh, uh, well another another great team to cross off the list. <laughs> hmm. No I pun intended. For what it's worth, I considered him and as that too, and not any of the other guys. Yeah, huh. I liked the cross off the list pun. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are waiting on Michael Waterloo. Um, he just joined us live. Oh. Hey, Michael. What's going on, guys? How are we doing? Pretty good. Good, good. Uh, hopping in real quick. I saw I was on the clock. So I am going to take – I'll keep my uh, Blue Jays homerism real by taking <laughs> uh, hey, Oscar Hernandez. He's still uh, Toronto in my heart. So I'm going to go ahead and select him here. 
Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for in, man. Yep. Well, 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 well. <clears throat> that is from Chris Clegg's team. Okay. Let's see. Uh, he's uh, Toronto homerism yet. <laughs> no longer plays for the Blue Jays. Hmm. Live long in their hearts, I suppose. <clears throat> well, now we have Sperling. Andrew's on the clock. Um, so you, know, you can take your time to think about your selection. Let's talk about Teoscar Hernandez real fast. Uh, what are your, what's everyone's thoughts on his um, move from the Blue Jays to Seattle and how they, how do you all think that's going to impact him? So I got, I got family out there and have been to that park a few times and it's so beautiful, but uh, oh, yeah. you are just surrounded by water. I mean, it is cold and heavy and, you know, Winker, if Winker gets a big up, uh, I'm struggling to track it all. Winker went yesterday or today to who got Winker? Brewers. Brewers, yeah. yeah. Brewers. James is squad. Um, yeah. Exciting stuff there. I thought Frelick might play, but but anyway, um, I don't know. I love Teoscar. It, it, it's the right move for Seattle because you need to get people who can hit it out of anywhere. And he can do that. But oh, he definitely can, yeah. I don't He's know if it will really impact his value, personally. But. Yeah, he was definitely, you know, arguably the mo most established big league hitter available um, at that point. All right, mm -hmm. uh, Drew, you can go. You can make your pick yeah. when you're ready. Just let us know. I'm I'm, I'm close. Uh, the yeah, hey. the glass the glass. Uh, to to be honest, I, I was I was definitely looking at glass now. So, uh, yeah. I was, I was surprised at that. Um, let's see here. Um, but I guess while Drew uh, thinks about this, uh, James, what are your thoughts on Winker? Uh, obviously, Winker's not uh, been selected, and uh, we're, we probably shouldn't be talking about him right now. Sorry but, about that. Uh, I thought about it a moment after I said it. Like, no, hey, no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, he's going to the Brewers. I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't think we have to do that. Cutting no, you don't need about to. not saying someone's and name. I doubt name. that Winker would be selected in this anyway. So. I wish oh, you guys yeah. would stop giving away my strategy. Thanks. <laughs> he does have a great first name, so I'll always say that. <laughs> did anybody have anyone other than Tiasker going from Chris, or did everybody think it would be Tiasker? I, I thought it would be Tiasker. I, I I I might have gone Snell personally, but uh, I mean I I get it. Yeah, I I had them like neck and neck. I had Teoscar uh, slightly ahead, and I thought in this format he would probably have been the preferred option as an outfielder. Uh, but yeah, I love I I think Blake Snell is. And we can talk about him too. Is you know he's I think very underrated right now. I've you know where he's going in redrafts I think is criminal. I love I try to target him every day. You know after pick 100, he's a guy I'm like definitely circling, especially since that's often a place I like to target. A pitcher especially this year uh you know pitchers are falling across the league in these redrafts partly because last year was such a pitcher friendly year so all these pitchers are coming off these awesome seasons uh i would not necessarily expect that to occur again this year all right uh, but i do think that's a great time to get them all right i think i'm gonna go with marcus simeon based upon how things have gone 
Yep. So you can go ahead and cross me off, man. Sounds like I'll see you guys later. <laughs> that's that's one that's one one crossover for you. One down from the edge. <laughs> this is, this is, I mean, it is brutal. <laughs> one down. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was definitely uh, looking at a couple options that went before me, and I guess I, I thought they might actually make it to me, but based on how things fell, I feel like Marcus Simeon provides quite a bit of, uh, like I know what he's going to do. It provides power and speed right now and uh, should help my offense quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a strong pick at that point. Uh, you know, again, this is a guy who's a five category, or he definitely gives you power speed. I think that there's a real chance that the average rebounds as well this year. Uh, Texas is looking to compete, so he's going to be surrounded by a quality lineup. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a strong pick. You know, he's a guy who's going regularly as a top 50 player in redrafts. Uh, to get him at this point is quality. Itch, I know you said that you um, almost were tempted to, to uh, keep Semyon. What, what was uh, – who do you think would have been the odd man out there, if you don't mind? That's where it just never got past that. Like, yeah, uh, you have a really strong I, trio. You put him up against O'Neal Cruz, you can, like – shoehorn an argument in for Semyon, but in, in a dynasty league, it's just, and then, uh, you know, Luis Robert, DeGrom. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just, and when you hold him against up against the other guy, it's just an instantaneous choice. So, but I would have liked to keep him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Your team is, is too good. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, We'll see what happens. That's the first player that has been poached from it. For another like 15 Um, minutes, maybe. (laughs) He has, uh, he could get poached up to three times. Uh, That's the consequence of winning, (laughs) of winning this league. Uh, And that's an important thing. You know, part of the way this league was structured by Brett Sayer is it's, it's a dynasty league, but there's keeper aspects and it's meant to kind of enforce some kind of, I guess, parody in a way, you know, try to prevent there from prevent like, I guess, monster teams, which can definitely happen in dynasty, or at least if those teams happen, there are going to be consequences for that happening. (laughs) Uh, Because this is all about trying to create a sustainable dynasty league. Uh, That is a common question. I'm pretty sure all of us get (laughs) from people about how to make dynasty leagues sustainable uh, because they can get very top heavy and very bottom heavy. And it's sometimes when you're on the bottom, it's very hard to climb out. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm going to try to start one uh, kind of based on this because I enjoyed it so much. And I like, I mean, I, I wish I didn't have to do it after just one year and see how it goes Mm -hmm. after, you know, fast forward five years, but I'm going to try and run it. Um, just a slight variation here or there, but I really yeah. like, even as I'm going to get devastated here today or whatever, I, I really like it as a structure. And then again, the, the two, the four for the redistribution draft might hurt too. My team's not so deep that that's going to hurt that bad. I don't think. But, like yeah, if you well, want I'll... Levon Soto and you want to pluck Levon Soto from my redistribution, <laughs> it's going to hurt a little. Again, I wish you'd quit giving my strategy away. Thanks. <laughs> Alex Sanchez is still on the clock. Uh, 
in the hole or on deck is a DJ Short, and in the hole is Brett Sayer, and then it's me, and then James. So uh, we're coming up soon. I'm really hoping that certain players fall. <laughs> I will not speak their names. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pretty sure Brett will probably poach exactly who I want. <laughs> so. All right. Listen, you guys don't have to lie. I know everyone's looking at Jose Quintana, and that's okay. <laughs> I've accepted it at this point. So just we can put it on the table and be okay with that. That is the way you got to play it. You got to like pre sever the limb so that when it happens, it's just, you know. That's why you can't see any of my limbs right now. <laughs> so Alex is gone, Pasquantino, Volpe, uh, and then he's got a third high pick. So I, I guess we're assuming he probably goes prospecty-ish. I'd imagine. I'd imagine. Uh, I think if he does, it definitely shows a pattern. And I think it means that a certain player that he has on his roster they acquired from me last night may be available for trade. That's Pete Alonso. Uh, 28 might stick out on a roster of a bunch of prospects and uh, team may or may not have been the player I was trying to trade for. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see. Alex is still on the clock. Um, I'm going to nudge him. After this draft, I will note that we have more keepers. So everyone gets to keep uh, another eight players, uh, unless you forfeited keepers like like this guy, like me, uh, who do not get to keep eight, the full eight in the next uh, batch of keepers. And then there's a two-round redistribution draft at that point from, av from the available players. And then there's more keepers and another draft. And then there's a preseason draft after that. So uh, this is a very draft-heavy league. <laughs> and, you know, I don't mind that. We don't – I think part of the problem at times in dynasties – is there's not enough of that. There's not enough of that draft rush you can get, you know, because there's only often there's only that one preseason draft, which sometimes is only limited to first year players. Uh, and I think having multiple drafts to, you know, stock, you know, kind of get the flames going for the league uh, is a good thing. And I think it's it's a fun you kind of get the best of both worlds because you get the drafting and you get the open universe aspect here. So mm -hmm a lot of the leagues where the draft kind of sucks, it's because it's open universe. So there's just not the sort of super high end guys to, to pick from. Did you guys see the message oh, right on there? I think I got a guess of where we're, what's going to happen. I I'm saw it too. <laughs> oh, I saw it too. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, there may be someone joining the pod, uh, shortly to make his pick. I think Alex oh. will be jumping on. <laughs> well, um, I, I hope he, uh, there's, there's players on my team that I would be okay with him taking, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I would be upset, so we'll, we'll see. I guess uh, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, James James has a, a very – James route in this league, he, I think, tried to target younger players who were in the majors early and then loaded up on – uh, prospects for the most part in this startup draft. So his team is uh, pretty stacked with some 
high-profile prospects, pros players, young players who are in the major leagues who have exhausted prospect eligibility as well. Uh, some players who are going to be debuting this year. So, uh, James, are you uh, are you going to try a transition this year into a win now team, or are you still looking at like twenty twenty four? Uh, definitely twenty twenty four. Uh, but I I kind of want to get sort of some ducks in a row so that twenty twenty four is a possibility. Um, yeah. So like. You know, I'm very, very uh, offense heavy right now, um, as as you should be if you kind of go that route. But um, yes. I, I'm probably going to be eyeing up a pitcher with my pick, uh, depending on who's available. And uh, that might be a theme throughout my other offseason drafts here because I, I do like my position player depth. Yeah, I think uh, that's often a strategy that we that we would recommend yeah. if you're rebuilding a team. You want to rebuild with bats before arms because you know why? <laughs> arms break. <laughs> arms break. And I think that arms, and I, I mentioned this to, I think, Jeff Ponce. I think that arms are a little bit more predictable than bats because you can see the data that we have that are that's available on arms is more... I guess, reliable than hitting data and hitting data because uh, like, for pitchers, you can see like the quality of specific pitches. You can see how, you know, kind of movement these pitches generate, the spin rates they get, uh, you know, where, where they're released from. And I think a lot of that can, has a lot of predictive power about how good that pitcher ultimately ultimately be. And you know, there's a reason why Eno Saris's stuff plus boards have value is because he looks at that, that data and he quantifies it. And, I think you can do a lot of that for pitching prospects or young pitchers. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The uh, corollary there, too, is that veteran arms are pretty easily acquired. Yeah, I mean, Justin Verlander last year, right? Or even, like, before last year. If you acquired Justin Verlander, you know, mid-season in 2020 or, or late in, after 2020 season, you could have gotten him fairly, fairly cheaply. I mean, some people weren't even not – I mean, if you're looking at top 500 dynasty rankings or something like that, uh, you know, some people were not even ranking him or were ranking him very, very lowly. And I think that that kind of represented a lot of people's opinions on his value. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I don't think anyone really foresaw the season that he ultimately had. Uh, but I think, is Alex on yet, James? Uh, no, I, I told him to, to jump on, either do it now or do it do it soon one way or the other um i'm i think he's either gonna take let's predict who's gonna take I, I think he i think he might take either riley green or kyle manzardo would probably be my guess really i was gonna pick grissom yeah maybe grissom riley green hmm. i think it's riley green personally but i could definitely see a case for grissom manzardo you know Cases, Vargas, Royce Lewis, even. I mean, uh, there's a lot of. Oh, here he is. All right, All right Alex. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, James. You're going to be doing taking... well after this. Who are you taking from me? <laughs> well, I have uh, two players. It's between, but I think <laughs> we're going to go with the outfielder Riley Green. Oh, right, there it there is. There you go. Oh, 
I honestly was sort of hoping that that's how that would go. Um, I, <laughs> I like I like Riley Green a lot, but I um, I didn't I didn't want to lose Luis Severino, so um, it's fine with kind of any of those prospects go. Uh, thank you uh, for having on and making that pick. How are you feeling about those three picks? Uh, yeah, Vinny Pasquantino, Anthony Volpe, and Riley Green so far. Yeah, um, definitely the uh, younger players here of the first six picks, but I think that's kind of where the team for that I'm building right now is headed. So, you know, taking Severino from your team there, obviously probably a great pick if I'm trying to compete, but I think I got one more year of sort of rebuilding. Um, and uh, I think these three guys are going to be the cornerstones now for me. You're going to go rogue and take Melanson from Eddie next, right? <laughs> I got to make some more trades to get right. some more picks. <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you definitely got to make more trades. <laughs> yeah, well, DJ Short is on the clock. Uh, we'll, we'll await his pick. Uh, how does everyone feel about Riley Green entering this year? Obviously, his debut uh, did not go as well as a lot of people hoped. I mean, you know, neither did Spencer Torkelson's debut. Uh, poor Tigers, right? <laughs> Every all their top prospects crashed and burned in a lot in some ways. I mean, I think that, that they all flashed a lot of what we love about them as prospects. But uh, what do you all think about it? I like Green a lot, except I don't. I'm I'm less convinced he's gonna steal like the like I, I used to think he was gonna be kind of a 10 to 15 steel guy. And I'm, yeah. I'm less convinced of that, but I, I do think the battle will come around. It's just, it's just such a crappy park. Yeah. I feel like Riley green could be one of those guys who, one of those players who may benefit from these rule changes that we're going to see this year. Uh, you know, it's not like he has plus speed or anything, um, but he does have an aptitude to steal and he's willing to do it. So, you know, maybe with the pitch clock and uh, the enlarged bases that maybe he will, uh, be able to generate some value with his legs. I mean, I don't think that's something that I would be betting on a dynasty. I think you're hoping that the hit and power really do play the way I think a lot of a lot of people expected them to. Yeah, he went one for five on the bases last year. Yeah. Hey, he tried. He attempted six steals. <laughs> right. That's that's a good sign. I think that's one of those. It's going to be very interesting to see how these rule changes end up playing out in the major leagues. Uh, I don't really know if we can really glean much from what happened in a ball because, I mean, it's a ball, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if all these players who attempt all these stolen bases all of a sudden are more successful. Like, will Randy Rosarena steal like 50 bases? <laughs> I mean, I, I doubt it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, ends up working. Yeah, just to, to jump on for Riley Green, I think that if he doesn't have the injury, like I don't think I'm even getting a chance to mm -hmm. perhaps draft him in this. So I think that I'm betting on that sort of affecting the entire 22 season and that the guy that we all thought we were going to get at the beginning is the guy I'm getting for uh, 2023. Yeah, that, that could very well be the case. What do you all think his like peak outcome could be? Hmm. Maybe like three hundred batting average. It's like twenty eight home runs, twenty five to twenty eight home runs, maybe thirty. I mean, that would obviously yeah. be fantastic. I think the biggest question with average is, you know, this is a player who does strike out a lot. You know, he's gonna 
he is he's pretty consistently above 25% strikeout rate. Uh, it's not, you know, Riley Green doesn't have like elite bats of ball ability. Doesn't make elite amount of contact. Uh, he's just a quality hitter. He has exceptional plate discipline. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see where the average falls. I'm more in the park. I'm more thinking he might be like a 270, 280 hitter, uh, which again is very good, especially in this environment where people are, you know, where like the MLB average is like 240. Uh, so, you know, if he can provide that average and get to the power, which I think could be 30 home run power. Uh, I mean, he, he'll be a player who will be a top 50 dynasty player if he can get there. I mean, yeah, 270 to 280 is probably more realistic. 300 is probably more of like if everything were to be perfect. Yeah. I was cutting it fine and he hit, he hit 297 over the last 38 games or something, but it's just me playing around in the game logs. But I, I can't remember what's the last best season we've gotten out of Detroit. I, <laughs> Eric Haas with some surprise homers. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think like a real one. What's the last best fantasy season we've gotten out of Detroit? I mean, Robbie Grossman went like 2020, right? Or... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. That's with the that was with the boost ball or the pre rag ball, I suppose. Well, he won, he won 2020 and 2021, 20, right? In my, but it was 22 where they swapped it out for the the fully dead ball, right? The dead ball was 2022. 2021 was... Oh, normal, normal ball in 21. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Whatever normal ball is. I don't know. No, but, I mean... I don't, yeah, but, we don't know. It changes literally year to year. Yeah, that was a real season. But then again, 239, <laughs> 357, 415... Yeah. But the speed and it's just a tough park, like you said, James. I mean, it's it it is thirtieth last year in Park Factors per Saban. Um, so, and then I, I don't think they were doing a great job of developing either. So, and you got to go against Cleveland. I mean, um, Minnesota is pretty good at limiting offense, like in that division in general. They have to hit in. Kaufman in, in Kansas City, which yeah, is another yeah. difficult part to hit in. But you do get to face Mike Clevenger and Lucas Giolito. Oh. Clevenger. <laughs> yeah, somebody should say Clev. <laughs> oh, DJ's picking uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let me put it in. All right, DJ took. Carlos Correa, poached from my team. I'm closed. Kind of hoping against hope that Correa would, or my players would fall to me. I can poach from my own team. <laughs> but, oh well. <laughs> All right. Did, uh, did everybody have Correa ranked highest on Jesse's team? I didn't. It was close with Reynolds, but I did have yeah. Correa as the highest. Uh, Reynolds was mine by just a, a frog hair. Not much. I was going to go with Tyler O'Neill, but I don't know if I actually would have gone through with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad that there's multiple options, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think between the two, uh, I can understand why people might want and prefer Reynolds, in, especially in this league where we, were, we have to start five outfielders 100 total outfielders are active in this league uh but you know Correa is 
when healthy is fairly consistent. I've always been quite high on Correa. Uh, I know that Brett is very much a, a Carlos Correa stan. Uh, there are definitely others who I think he's very much a, is developing into a divisive player given his injuries and given how deep shortstop has become. And I think that's one reason why you're going to see these types of shortstops fall in redraft leagues. But I think their dynasty value is still very strong and probably stronger than her redraft value, to be honest. Uh, and I am really high on Correa. I'm, Correa, I'm very intrigued to see where he'll end up. Uh, does anyone have a feel or a, a gut instinct on where he'll land? I think if the Phillies don't get Trey Turner, they will get Correa. I know that we're uh, – I say we, like I work for the team. I know that the Phillies are aiming for a high-quality shortstop that can fit in the middle of their order, and uh, I think Correa would fit great. Feels like he could go back to the Twins as well. But, but yeah. yeah, and I thought let's talk about that real fast. Uh, the Twins, right? I think they're in the market for a shortstop because I do not think they have an internal option there. Uh, you know – I don't, I and mean, right now, we, if you look at roster resource, they have Jorge Polanco there. And I know that the organization doesn't really want him to play shortstop at all. I'm pretty sure he's not going to play shortstop. Uh, Carl, you know, Royce Lewis, he's been transitioning to the outfield and he's not going to be back for a while. Uh, you know, I think Brooks Lee is likely a third baseman. He was their most recent high end draft pick, uh, drafted as a shortstop. But I think that the likelihood he's going to be a, short, a third baseman is very high. Uh, so, you know, I think they're in the market for a shortstop. Uh, and I do think it could be Graham. I feel like the the Cubs, the Phillies, and the Twins could all end up with one of the yeah. better options. So Brett's pick is in uh, Jesse. I don't know if you saw. He texted that. Ah, okay. Um, but I, he wanted to join to make the pick live, but I don't think it's letting him. All right, well, yeah, we'll just uh, go ahead and announce it uh, on the pod. Uh, his Brett Sayer is taking Grayson Rodriguez, starting pitcher for the Orioles. And he has been coached from Waterloo, from Michael Waterloo's roster. All right, well, I'm on the clock. Uh, so while, while I'm on, on the clock, I'm going to just tell you, I'm just going to say, guys, talk about Grayson Rodriguez. <laughs> Super deep guys, Arsenal. Amazing. Are you guys surprised that he lasted this long? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes and no. Uh, uh, it's complicated because of um, teams trying to choose a win-now player versus, like in a straight dynasty format, it would, I think it would make sense if he would have went sooner. But I think the format sort of complicates the valuation. I also think the injury maybe added a little bit, like depressed his ADP a little, a little bit. And his like his walk rate was pretty high in September, even though I think his his stuff was mostly back. But I don't know if you guys have opinions on that. I also think it's a I, I do think it's a phenomenal pick for Brett's team though. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I'm on. I'm on the clock. So I'm gonna just uh, uh, before I make my pick, I'll, I'm gonna touch on Grayson Rodriguez real fast. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is a fantastic changeup. I think it may be one of the best changeups in minor league baseball. Um, his fastball, of course, 
it can flash plus plus. Uh, I do think the fastball can trend to have has not the greatest shape at times, and I think it can be more hittable than you'd want for one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. And I'm also not super keen on a slider. I know some people love a slider. I've seen like plus plus grades put on a slider, but I don't love it's 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 a low 80 slider doesn't have like a huge amount of depth it just doesn't really have two plane movement not not my favorite pitch of his he has a very good change curveball as well so you know it is a very deep arsenal uh, he has great command uh, mountain presence he checks so many boxes but I think there may be more initial struggles than we'd expect granted you know Camden Yards has turned into a pitcher's park <laughs> who would have thought right uh so I think this could be it could be a lot of fun this year all right well I'm on the clock uh there are a lot of very intriguing players left I will I gotta say I didn't expect some of these players to fall uh so I I am going to go ahead and I'm. It's between two players for me, Jesse. Um, um, before you pick, I just have to let you know this emergency announcement. Uh, Kyle Gibson is signed with the Orioles. If that if that uh, <laughs> if that changes anything for you. <laughs> oh man, I guess I might have to. Nah, I'm, I'm not going. <laughs> Kyle Gibson you, uh, just um, got blocked. All <laughs> 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 right. Well, I think James is going to be happy because I'm not going to be taking a pitcher here. So he's going to have his pick of uh, pitchers. Granted, it may be, I may be taking a hitter from a team he's targeting, uh, but probably not. Uh, maybe. I'm down to a pitcher and a hitter. So, oh, okay. Um, I, I'm kind of almost hoping you make my decision for me. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I think these types of drafts are interesting because uh, I do want to put I want my team to win. I always like to be in a win now situation, but I also have a weird situation because I have to forfeit fifteen keepers, <laughs> so I can keep, I keep fifteen less players than the rest of the league, and I've been trying to work around it with get acquiring picks. Uh, and but it's going to really make things complicated for me, and I think it's going to certainly impact my ability to compete this year uh so that makes that makes this decision uh maybe something where i'll deviate from what i would maybe normally do and getting what who i consider to be basically the best player available here versus someone who maybe will have more long-term impact (sighs) but you know what Screw that. We're going best player available because, you know, flags fly forever, guys. <laughs> I will be taking Jose Altuve, who I thought was the best player available. Um, I'm sure that there are differing opinions there, but that's from Jeff Ponce's roster. He's closed. Uh, that probably doesn't really hurt James too much in terms of pitching because I don't think Jeff had any pitchers that would have been considered here, but uh, I was between those two at five, so like I, I thought, uh, I, yeah, I felt like he was pretty uh, a pretty good alternative to Simeon. So maybe I reached on Simeon, but I I, I feel like they were they were uh, both considerations at five for me. Yeah, I think uh, you know Altuve is tough. 
a tough evaluation in the dynasty in a lot of ways because he's 32 years old and players of his, I guess, build do not often age well. Uh, but of course, you know, he's coming off a fantastic season. The speed might be back. I mean, he's always had speed. He just stopped running. Uh, last year, he stole 18 bases. Uh, most of them came in the second half. And, you know, if that continues, I mean, there's a chance he could provide 20 plus stolen bases next year, uh, especially given the new, new rule changes. Uh, but he also could provide like three. <laughs> so I think that's a tough uh, part of the evaluation with Altuve. Uh, but, you know, again, an aging player, uh, it makes, I think in a league like this, it's not a pure, pure dynasty where there are poaching abilities and ways of this reorganizing your roster more than a normal dynasty league going with older players like Altuve is less risky than it would be in a typical dynasty league where you're, you basically holding your most of your roster uh, year to year. All right. Now y'all can completely bash my pick of Jose Altuve or praise it, you know, uh, whatever you want to do. What are, what are your all thoughts on Jose Altuve? I'll I didn't realize it. he'd gone basically 30-20 last year. I'll tell you that. I, I, uh, I just didn't have him on any teams. He hit 300 and went 28-18, and I just didn't realize he was having such a beastly season. 103 runs. Yeah. I, I do these really – go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I was kind of torn between hoping Pontes would keep, uh, keep uh, James Wood or Altuve with his third slot. Um, but I think in the end that, that I, I was also – interested in snagging Altuve if he was around later. Uh, I can tell, I can tell you that Jeff is very high on James Wood. Um, and I, for a good reason, you know, James Wood is a freak. Uh, he's a physical freak, huge, huge power, uh, ex- very good advanced bats of ball ability and approach for a player of his age and his size. Uh, you know, I think that, and he has great present speed too. Um, you know, there's a legit chance he could develop into the next, like, Jordan Walker, you know, the player that can, can that can make that type of size work. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Nationals develop them, develop Wood. I mean, Nationals have not had a great track record of late developing some of these players, um, but they did develop Juan Soto. So, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot of hope for Wood. James is on the clock right now. Uh, give Let him think about this. Yeah, I, I got the pick. Um, All right. I'll take uh, Framber Valdez from Samada. Right. So Samada is also closed. The player pool is dwindling. <laughs> available play, pool of available players. I really like that pick a lot. I think that Valdez looked amazing throughout the the playoff stretch. Uh, still young enough to make an impact with James's team, really, uh, regardless of what his contention window is in his mind. Very jealous of those back-to-back Altuve and Valdez picks. I do this silly thing where I convince myself that uh, players I like will fall to me. Uh, that's being crushed as we speak. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. I... All right. Well, I ha- actually have Eddie's pick. Um, and Eddie did provide. Now, this is, I will say, you know, Eddie's not going to be able to make it today um, at the podcast, but Eddie went 
absolutely above and beyond in terms of submitting a, I guess, a queue, a draft list to me uh, before the draft. And uh, I'll note that, you know, uh, Eddie's a fantastic dynasty player, uh, played in many leagues with him. A great guy, fantastic player. He's associated with Prospects Live. Uh, but he submitted a list that included a write-up for, like, 19 players. <laughs> and the list and list was, like, 30 players deep. It was, it's just, you don't see that, right? You don't get lists like that ever. Um, so I uh, am going to go ahead and make his selection for him now. Um, the highest remaining player. And I, after I do the highest remaining player for him, I'm going to tell everyone what his list was. <laughs> well, no, I shouldn't do that, right? I have to get permission before I tell everyone. Uh, but... Kudos to Eddie for all these write-ups. Very cool. Um, but Eddie's highest remaining player is a player from his own roster. It's Chris Bryant's uh, outfielder for the Rockies. Uh, this is what Eddie writes about Bryant. He writes that the promise is very much still there of a 330 home run season in cores, but injuries and general lack of impact the plate make it less likely, but but the floor still remains of 270 with 23-ish home runs. And honestly, that floor, if he's healthy, I think is way too low. I mean, I think that a healthy Bryant very well could be a league winner. Uh, but that health, <laughs> it has a, comes with such a massive asterisk. You know, it's just a big issue for him. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, so... Well, what I'm going to go ahead and input this this and what are y'all's thoughts on Chris Bryant? I want to buy oh, in. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I want to buy in. I, no. I guess I really am concerned about his health, though. Like, uh, it would be, it would go along. It's hard to tell at this point because we're making the selection before the season, but my opinion would be swayed a lot by seeing him play a significant number of games this year. Yeah, I think the big thing with cores, you know, cores often gets associated with power. And yes, you know, the ball flies in the in the high air, but, you know, home runs are not as big of a boost there as batting average uh, because it's such a huge park. Uh, that outfielders just have so much ground to cover. So players are going to hit for a higher average in cores. They're going to get at more extra base hits in cores. Uh, and, you know, I think that a 300 season, 300 average is very possible for Chris Bryant if he's fully healthy. Uh, and if he does that, I mean, he'll be, he'll be a great bargain in all dynasty, in all redraft and dynasty leagues. Cause I think right now in dynasty his values very much depressed uh, and maybe unrightfully so uh, since this, you know, a lot of recency bias against Chris Bryant. Uh, James, what do you think uh, Chris Bryant's potential ceiling this year is? And he, obviously his floor is just, he's absolutely injured. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think there, there is a very high ceiling, obviously, especially with cores. Uh, and this, this is not uh, cutting edge analysis, but I just, he, really strikes me as kind of a soft player who uh, is going to end up being a huge <laughs> albatross on that contract now that he's got a, a lot of stability and, and money. So, um, I mean, obviously that's not going to line up with like a projection system or anything, but I'm kind of completely out on Bryant. 
One thing, one thing I thought about Bryant here now is the it's sort of a galaxy brain thing, but the Rockies have been getting murdered on road trips within the division forever. And taking that unbalanced schedule and allowing them to go play the Reds in Cincinnati three times that they're not playing the Giants in San Francisco or the Dodgers. I mean, it might make a big difference uh, allowing the Rockies to get out of that division on the road a little more often. Part of their roads stats are so bad is because that division's so good at pitching and, and has been for so long, but yeah, I'm with James a little bit. I, yeah, kind of out on Brian. All right. Well, we have the next pick has been selected in this draft and I'm sorry, Chris, but this is, or I'm sorry, the itch. It's another pick <laughs> from your roster. Uh, Tristan McKenzie uh, has been selected. Uh, by Chris Maurer, which is baseball. We, many of us maybe know him better as at Baseball Pods on Twitter. Um, let's see. That is the second player select poached from the Itches roster. Uh, there's only one player left if people choose to do so to poach from his roster. Uh, do it, guys. <laughs> uh, but hey, you, you do not have to. You are allowed to just allow me to. <laughs> I think. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we have uh, Drew is back on the, on the clock again uh, for yet another pick. Uh, and after Drew, we have Jordan um, and then other Drew. So there's two Drews. There's Drew, Sp- Drew Sperling and Jordan Rosenblum. Well, Drew, oh, he's not Drew. Uh, and Drew Wheeler. Uh, all three of them is one, two, three coming up. Um, then two for Ken Balderstone. Uh, but I think there's a real chance here that Drew Sperling could destroy and destroy Jordan Rosenblum's day today if he wanted to right now. <laughs> Before you get to it, Drew, I, I just wanted to ask, man, can we agree that Rosenblum could be an honorary Drew at least for the day? <laughs> oh, most definitely. Yeah, um, okay. I, just I would appreciate that. Uh, I, I, hate to, I hate to ruin the – I, I hate to ruin the anxiety, but I, I think he's uh, – I think he'll be pleased with my pick. I, I, <laughs> I will not be targeting one of his players based upon who's left. But yeah. I think uh, um, Jordan is probably, like, over the moon right now because I think we all know who he'll likely select. But I guess we'll, we'll see what he does when he's between, up. But... Between two players at the moment. But, yeah, uh, Jordan, Jordan will have the chance to select one of his own. As a as a new member of the or a member of the Drew Society, I, I appreciate this um, sort of solidarity. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Tristan McKenzie. Uh, he was the most recent pick by Baseball Pods. Uh, he had a fantastic season. I think that a, a season that you know I did not fully expect or anticipate for the the Guardians. Uh, you know, this is a unique player you know tall lanky kid kid that this he's a great demonstration of you know where people maybe see projection in a player because of his because of how thin he is does not mean they're actually going to add like or grow into their frame you know uh but still obviously it doesn't matter (laughs) he's still fantastic uh what's everyone's take on tristan mckenzie I should have probably uh, kept him as my whatever it is instead of uh, Christopher Morrell, the 13th underdog. He could have been, it was him or Morrell for my underdog. And I went with 
Morel, and then that went sideways pretty quickly. But yeah, I think Mackenzie, like as you say about body type, I, I think um, staying skinny has allowed his command to move more quickly than some guys whose body type is in flux. Like you know, his zero point nine five whip last year is just out of control for a twenty four year old. I mean, he was pitching at twenty four and ended up with that whip and it's like uh, i don't know two sides of that coin like he could have added some velo and added some muscle but staying in that frame allowed him to master his delivery at a really young age yeah another thing that's very i think important to note with mckenzie and he's a great example of this is that fastball shape matters so much and you know his fastball averages 92.5 miles an hour yet it had his forcing fastball was one of the best forcing fastballs in baseball. Uh, it had a 290 Woba against and uh, his uh, fantastic run value. The reason why it's so successful is because it gets elite carry elite. Uh, you know, it's, it's vertical drop. It's just 11.6 inches. Uh, it's versus average. Uh, it's one of the best in baseball in terms of uh, how, little drop he gets it gets basically riding action as it's a pitch that misses bats and uh that fastball despite its you know honestly borderline velocity is very much a plus or even plus plus pitch and uh you know his curveball has always been fantastic i think the biggest ongoing concern with him is he doesn't have a viable changeup and his slider got hit around last year so i think there's room for him to potentially even grow and uh, be even better than he was last year, which I think is pretty pretty wild. Sorry for the long de uh, deliberation, but I think I'm actually just going to go ahead and select uh, my own player, um, Hunter Green. All right. Another one from the guys that I like, Biting the Dust, but it's a fellow Drew, so I can't say anything negative. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, uh, yeah. The, there's a few pitchers that I liked, but ultimately, I, I guess I just wanted to keep the guy I got on my on my team. And I will uh, take. Give me a couple minutes. All right, I'm ready. I'll take <laughs> Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> um, and and Drew and I had talked a lot. Uh, Sperling and I had talked a lot about this draft, so I I was pretty sure that he didn't really. Um, or he had given me comfort that uh, Kirk would probably fall to me because I think um, it's hard to get the catchers right in this league. In, in one catcher league, it's hard to get the valuation right. Um, so I wasn't really sure what would happen there. But I thought if Kirk was there, I would take him. And if not, then uh, may, I would consider like trading down a couple spots or something like that. But but I'll take Kirk. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's very on brand. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I think this doesn't shock anyone who knows you. Uh, uh, this is very much probably the preeminent Alejandro Kirk stand, other than maybe his family. <laughs> yeah, I have I have DM'd him once, but I, I really should stop doing that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think you should keep over. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but Je Jesse, were you uh, were you surprised that I kept Kirk or I, I um, kept Buxton over Kirk or? Um, I thought Buxton was the correct choice. I did not yeah. think you'd make the correct choice yeah, there yeah, because I thought I your, your Kirk love would uh, outweigh it. But, you know, obviously you went out and you acquired Buxton by trade this offseason. So, you know, 
it would make sense to thereby then keep him. Um, and I think it was a good worthwhile gamble, especially what you said regarding this is a 20 team league with a lot of depth concerns, I think through for a lot of other positions and catcher, you know, there's only 20 catchers at start. You're unlikely to play a catcher at utility. I mean, I guess you could do that, uh, but it's a weekly locking league too. It's not a daily format. So holding catchers on your bench is, has less utility, especially when it's only a 40 man roster too. And you really kind of scrambling, we're all scrambling for depth at all these other positions. So I think that is reasonable to question, you know, the, maybe to, to dock some catchers in some ways because of that. And I mean, obviously Kirk fell uh, to you at this point. I think it was definitely a great gamble to have. Think One one thing that I, I think is going to, if it wasn't true last year, will be sort of more true in future years is that uh, starting a catcher in one of your two util spots is kind of a viable move in this league especially if you have two good ones like yeah. I, i'm i'm planning on starting danny jansen in my util basically all season um, yeah and that's because i have melendez too but like i think a lot of teams are just going to end up with two pretty solid catchers just given the amount of good young catchers on the on the rise uh and that that's not going to be true in in a lot of leagues but i think in this league uh starting two catchers even with just the one catcher spot is is somewhat viable yeah, that's very fair. Uh, Drew Wheeler is actually on the clock right now. Um, so we can, before we get to Drew's pick, um, I let's get everyone's take on Alejandro Kirk very quickly. Uh, you know, obviously, very unique player. Uh, <laughs> Stout is a good, uh, is, is probably doesn't even do him justice, that term. Uh, but just impeccable plate discipline about and contact skills, you know, underrated pop uh he faded down the stretch uh and i think it's reasonable to question what the his role will be moving forward on this really crowded catcher room in toronto but uh why don't we let jordan wax poetic about alejandro kirk right now (laughs) yeah well one thing about like being a homer on a guy i think now that kirk has broken out it's not as stressful like if i was going to lose him today i could have I think I could have dealt with that. I mean, who knows if I could have actually, if it happened, but um, I think like I already would have gotten decent value if he was the guy stolen from me. Um, Like it kind of already was an investment that paid off, but I think basically Kirk is like um, a catcher Bregman. Basically I think of him like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like not as a little bit more or his uh, hitting skill set is, is a little more like real life friendly, like really good uh, plate discipline and patience. Uh, in contact skills, but not necessarily as like uh, fantasy friendly, no speed, uh, um, not not a ton of homers, kind of in the same way um, that you could say those things about Bregman, uh, uh, besides a few outlier years. But I, I think he's he's really safe um, and he, he can really hit. Um, so it's a it's a high floor from from the uh, the catcher position. All right, well. Drew Sperling, or Drew Sperling, wow, sorry. Uh, so many Drews, I'm going to be confused by it. Everyone's going to be a Drew soon. Um, but uh, Drew Wheeler is uh, up. Uh, when you're ready to make your pick, go for it. Well, well, well. Look at what you people have done. I, uh, you know, I'll just be very transparent about where I'm at right now. There was a team uh, 
who may or may not have had multiple people able to be taken from their team that I'm looking at really longingly. But I think the best move I can make for my team is to pick from my team. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, there's several great options there, but why do that when you could just do the meme? My pick's going to be Seiya Suzuki, outfielder for the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> uh, that, not only am I still doubling down on Suzuki, I think that he is a player that, if you're listening to this, go invest in him. This is uh, supreme power, great contact, non-zero speed, uh, playing for a team who wants to build the lineup around him and who trusted him to hit middle of the order for a team that wasn't terrible. They, you know, they're not great, but they weren't terrible. I think that this is a guy that at least for the next four seasons, the Cubs are banking on being good. And, you know, they can call me to interview for a job because I agree with them as well. Um, I, but long term, I also like that this keeps my next round of keepers solid. I don't have to worry about anything. I can pick and choose from who I want. The trading pool will open again here soon. Um, uh, Eddie Almaguer told me that Seiya Suzuki would not be picked in the Highlander draft. So, Eddie, <laughs> that is just uh, – that's totally wrong. I told you it would be wrong. And then finally, Itch, you are so welcome. And I am pleased as punched, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I will tell you that it was between Jose Altuve and Seiya Suzuki for me at my pick. I was it worried was about you. That's the only one I was worried about was you. I, it was between Valdez and Suzuki for me, too. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, now <laughs> you guys are making me really, really thankful. I, oh, my word. I don't know. I love Seiya. I think he's a player who really – I mean, obviously, Steamer. If you look at Steamer's projections, they are oh. also uh, they are also very in on him this year. Uh, I think he's a player who uh, – may legitimately could legitimately steal 20 bases uh he's sure. he attempted what 14 14 last year um and he has good speed and i think that these rule changes could benefit him okay. uh, but you know i'm not i'm not necessarily banking on something like that but i do think the power will play i think he's a player who plays up in on base percentage formats uh fantastic plate approach very much uh disciplined hitter uh I'm very I I love Suzuki. I'm I again I really wanted to pick him, but I honestly I think I might be kicking myself after this not picking him just just to have seen your reaction, Drew. <laughs> if I had picked him, I, it would have been really bad. I don't know what the policy for swearing is on your show, James, but it would have been. I mean, it, it would have been really bad. Go so, for it. Uh, okay. Uh, um, no, I'm I'm just I'm very very excited and thankful. A right. part of me, like I, I, I was like thinking about taking him just to get your live reaction. Guys, um, <laughs> why, why is this the why is this the thing? Why is it just the goad me? Oh, it's awful. But I uh, actually thought uh, Devin Williams would go. Um, I guess I, like much much earlier, and I, I almost took Devin Williams over Kirk. I guess, but but um, but yeah, I guess uh, dynasty closers, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, Drew had a few other options that were available that I think uh, could have swayed people other than Seiya. You know, there's he had JT Real Muto, and we've already talked about catchers, and I think uh, we're seeing, even in just this draft, the, the values kind of falling uh, based on the way this league functions. But, uh, you know, he also had Logan Webb, Devin Williams, uh, definitely a lot of options to pick from from Drew's roster, which is a great thing for Drew because that's, you know, that's quality. That's a good roster. 
Thank you. That was the strategy too, is I believe I described it to Jordan as being the the old survivor meat shield strategy, but applied <laughs> to fantasy baseball. If I could keep Seiya Suzuki protected in the back and put, oh, here's a shiny Logan Webb, and look, JT Real Muto. Here's Devin Williams. He's got crazy pitches. And Jose Abreu signed a nice new contract, you know. And then in the back is Suzuki. And of course, you snakes slithering around all those guys. <laughs> For shame. All right, well, Ken Balderstein, Balderstein is up for two picks. Uh, two picks. So, you know, when he's ready to make his first one, let's, uh, you know, go ahead and do it, Ken. Uh, he's on the show. Uh, if you can take your time between your picks, uh, I think that will give us time to talk about the pick, your first pick. Uh, this is, we're getting to the point of this draft where, uh, Pickings are more slim, <laughs> I think, is uh, the generous way to say it. Uh, so uh, I, I think that the decisions at this point may be more difficult, to be honest, than they may have been earlier in the draft. But, uh, Ken, when, if you're ready for your yeah, first pick. I, I have forward. one, so I can go ahead with that. Um, I was actually going to grab Real Muto, but uh, I'm blocked now because Drew took a player from his own team. Oh. Um, but and I, and I wasn't going to look to take a pitcher. But uh, I have Garrett Cole, and I'm going to combine him with, uh, with Verlander um, and put them on the same team. Uh, my team's kind of looking, looking to be trying to win now-ish. <laughs> um, you never know what's going to happen in 20-team league, but putting those two guys together um, should give me a boost in strikeouts. So I'll go, I'll go with Verlander there. All right, Justin Verlander, uh, the last player taken from the itches roster he is officially closed out <laughs> everyone did their job everyone did their job good job everyone good job ken uh <laughs> but yeah i mean i think driver Lanner is a great pick i think that up any there was maybe another player or two that you could have even taken from the itches roster at that point that i think would have been quality and i think that they are definitely better than the options that are coming yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I considered Dustin May when I took uh, Hunter Green for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Dustin May, uh, Tony Gonzalez, uh, Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, so there was a lot of very good options uh, available, and that's just touching the surface. So I think that it still comes out of this draft. While they, he has lost three players, I think he still comes out of this draft in good shape. <laughs> but. Uh, I love, love the Verlander all. picks so much. Uh, that combined with Cole is unreal. Uh, tons of strikeouts. And if it wasn't going to be Suzuki, it was going to be Verlander. And so I think that that kind of – it justifies that thought, I guess, in my head. And I, I think you did a great job, Ken. I'm really eager to see what you do with this next one too, pal. Thanks. Yeah, well, I think with Verlander, this is a free agent. Where do you all think he is going to land? I was just writing about this today, um, just thinking through like the Astros kind of have hodgepodge left and center with McCormick and uh, Jake Myers, I guess, and maybe Pedro Leon. Like it makes more sense kind of for them to sign an outfielder. That doesn't mean they can't sign Jose Abreu, an outfielder, and Justin Verlander, but it seems like the Mets are chasing their own ass a little bit trying to cover the media thing about DeGrom and they might throw a bunch of money at Verlander to make the DeGrom story go away. 
Yeah, it seems like, it, I mean, the Mets are definitely the team with the most buzz around Verlander. I, I mean, I could see them signing, like, announcing Verlander and like, Cody Senga like, the same day or something like that to really make a splash. Yeah, I mean, it I loved the story happen. today. Sorry. <laughs> Like they're pumping so many little stories through their beat writers about why it's good <laughs> that they don't have Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's so early. We've got all this time. <laughs> it's funny. Like, yeah, it's kind of true, but it's not a good thing that you don't have Jacob DeGrom today. You know? <laughs> all yeah. right, well. I'm ready when uh, whenever you guys are. I'm going to go. Uh, my next pick is going to be uh, Rowdy Telez. Uh I was short on power last year badly. And uh, in a deep league like this, you can't just find it anywhere. Uh, and the, the expected stats are good for him. And uh, I'm hoping that with the limitations to shifting and whatnot, maybe he can put up a better average. Um, so. All right. Let's uh, break 30 home runs again, Roddy. He'll, he'll do it. He'll do it if he gets the PAs. Rowdy is from a baseball pods, Chris Mowers or Mayer's roster. Uh, so he's closed. Uh, there are only five rosters left that have not had anyone poached from. And I'm just going to list their rosters right now. Uh, we are in the home stretch. I'm actually on the clock right now. Um, but the rosters that have not had anyone poached from include Ken Balderston, Brett Sayer, uh, DJ Short, Alex Sanchez and Kevin Hastings. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I, th I, you know, these owners are probably like, uh, they might come out of it. There's going to be two owners that come out of this uh, clean, right? With no poach, no one poached from their roster. Uh, I know that there may have been some uh, maneuvering before the draft to try to uh, flip some, I guess, desirable poached poacher players, players that are going to be you know available in this draft try to they knew they would get taken try to turn that player into something you know into parts uh and let people push some lesser player so you could get some value squeeze value out of that um, i know for i know i tried to do that but uh it's it's tough that's a, one of those interesting things that a poacher draft does it creates it actually i think creates and generates trading especially early in the offseason when you if you schedule your poacher draft like we are in beginning of December, you're going to generate a lot of uh, activity, league activity, when maybe your league may be dormant um, or not as active. So uh, that's another, I think, po uh, you know, plus for this type of uh, dynasty format. But why don't you all uh, talk about Rowdy? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Rowdy. Um, like I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, Rowdy's bat and, and especially in that park. Uh, I think there's room for him to have a career year this year. Uh, my only fear is that now they have uh, Jesse Winker who needs to DH. Um, I, I, this might not be like that well known outside of people that watch the Brewers, but like Christian Yelich honestly should, should DH a decent amount, although he probably won't now. Um, so it's kind of just that one spot for Rowdy. And, uh, you know, I think he should play against some lefties. I don't think he's that bad against lefties, but they 
are keeping Kesson here on the 40. So uh, I think you kind of got to assume a, a fairly strict platoon unless they get rid of Hira before opening day. But uh, even so, I mean, I think he's he's 30 plus homers, if, if even in a strong set of a platoon. All right. Well, last three picks in the draft here. Uh, me, Andrew Sperling, and then me. <laughs> uh, so this is the 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 draft of Jesse. Just about um, was a Drew Drew sandwich. <laughs> uh, but I'm my first pick here. Uh, I'll go ahead and make it. Uh, again, I think that you know, all often when you're doing drafts, it's very much going to be about preference. But you know, I think there you can kind of get a general sense of like who likely is going to go. But at this point in the draft. It is almost 100% about preference for a lot of these available teams, a lot of these available players. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll poach from Brett Sayers' team, and I'm going to be taking C.J. Abrams, uh, shortstop no. for the Nationals. Okay. Um, so I guess for background, I'm a Nationals fan, <laughs> so and Orioles. So, you know, Maryland boys. So I grew up with the Orioles, but I'm Washington area fan. Um of a Maryland uh, shirt on right here. And uh, so I, I, I don't necessarily let that impact my fantasy decisions, but I think when sometimes when there's a toss up, uh, I like to go there. And I think with Abrams, this is a player who has, you know, a form, you know, was a top, top prospect just last year. He did thrive in triple a, uh, it was the PSL for the most part, but uh, he's going to be an everyday player this year with the, with the Nationals on a rebuilding team, he's going to get the longest of leashes. And uh, I think he can provide sneaky five-category upside. There is legit pop in his bat. Uh, he His his max exit velocity is approached 110 miles an hour. Uh, he can generate very strong average exit velocities too. Uh, he just puts way too many balls on the ground which is a good thing and a bad thing since he's so fast. It means he should hit for a good average. He did finish the season very strongly at like 314 over his last like month of play uh, with lots of stolen bases. So the idea here too is to get the speed. And that's the big draw for him is the bat-to-ball ability, ability to hit for average and speed. And if the power comes, I mean, he could look a lot like uh, – lot. he could look like Whit Merrifield or he could look even better like Trey Turner, even, I think, I think there's that type of upside still, obviously the risk is a lot higher now than it was even last year, even though he's like locked in as a starter. Uh, but I just love his upside. I am, uh, I heard someone say, no. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I definitely, uh, I, I definitely had him as the best available player, uh, but by a long shot, but, um, I, I guess uh, it, it does make my selection a little easier, though. But, yeah, I, I definitely like the Abrams pick. I think at, uh, at this point in time in the draft with three picks, well, now two remaining, he was definitely the most talented player. So I guess I'll just touch before I let Drew, you're up, but I'll, I'll touch one more thing about Abrams. Um, give him some give him some data here, right? His AAA data from the PCL, mind you, but his max exit velocity in, the triple, in AAA was 110 miles, 110.4 miles an hour. His 90th percentile exit velocity was 103.2 miles an hour. His contact rate was 75%. Um, that said, he's aggressive, very aggressive. He's a player who should be docked in OBP leagues pretty heavily. Uh, you know, his chase rate, mind you, it's not perfect data. His chase rate in AAA was 47%, which is 
bad. <laughs> um, his barrel rate was 1%. His barrel rate in the majors was 0%. So I think that there's a, there, he needs, there's, he, there's a lot of room for growth with C.J. Abrams, and I think there's a very real reason to be concerned. I mean, he does have some, like, Victor Robles markers, honestly, which I think I was, was going to say. Um, you know, you see any I think, yeah, I think that there's higher upside here than Robles, and I think that there's less risk than Robles what has. You know, he does have – he does actually generate – strong contact every once in a while, unlike Robles. So uh, it is a risk, I think, but I mean, the upside's crazy if he, if he does click. Well, he's never played. I mean, he, one thing that's really unique about Abrams is he's played 114 games in the minor leagues across his whole career. Like they just bumped him straight through and then the pandemic. And so like, there's like this corrective bubble. I don't know, like as his skills catch up to the age to level, like he just has never had a chance to settle in and flourish. I mean, he had that one stretch at AAA this year where he was real good, but I, I don't know. It's just like, a, there's just so much there. It like, none of it really seems like the matter, the numbers kind of matter, but they also kind of don't matter at all because he's just been playing against older dudes forever with not as much experience as even somebody who's as young as him typically has. Yeah, I think another thing we can consider with Abrams is uh, he has very good range in the field. He's just still very much a work in progress at short. I do think he's going to be a guy who does stick there, and I think he'll be there long term. So obviously they have a lot invested in him. You know, they traded Juan Soto, and he was technically, I mean, Abrams was maybe, maybe not even the prize of that deal, but he was definitely one of the centerpieces Uh I think that many people may think that James Wood at this point was surprised at that deal. I, I mean, I think that was a really good, really good point by the, by the itch there. Um, and that it, to me, it's just kind of, is 2023 the breakout year or is 2024 the breakout year for Abrams? Like yeah. assuming that he does break out, that, that's kind of a question for me. And, and it right, might even Drew. be later, you know, like he's still yeah. only, sorry, I'm, I'm, he's still I'll only 22. So right. 2023, I mean, he, he won't, he'll be like 25 in 20. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, well, uh, with my last selection, I'm going to make a roster driven decision based upon who's left. And uh, since Alfonso Rivas is currently my first baseman, I think I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Mountcastle. So now, now uh, I don't have to scramble for two corner infielders. There you go. I think at this point, roster-driven decisions are very valid. <laughs> that is from DJ uh, Short's roster. So DJ is closed as well. I, I'm on my last pick, and, I, and this we've been on here for a while. Um, Thank you all again for being on here. But uh, from Brett's roster, would you have all would you have taken anyone other than Abrams? No. All right. I think it was Abrams for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, it, I, like the I the like... gap between like Abrams in average and OBP and Brett Beatty in average and OBP, it's like polar opposite so mm -hmm. like i think if this was an obp league i think maybe i lean Beatty, but in, in an average league i take it 
That was the other player that I like, but I yeah, I don't think it's too close. Or I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Abrams has to be the selection. Yeah. Then uh, obviously the last the DJ's roster was where Mount Castle was pulled from. Um, there was other interesting players like Francisco Alvarez, Noble Marte, P. Crow Armstrong, Ian Happ, um, Nico Horner. Horner, I think, uh, would have been another Horner. one that potentially consider. Yeah, Horner and Happ would, would have been uh, players that I, I could definitely see taking. It's just I really needed a first baseman. I, th- I think that made the most sense for me. Yeah. But I, I could definitely see going Horner or Happ, though, for sure. Or, yeah. And now you've gotten in my head about these roster-driven decisions. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's a player that plays a position that I need. <laughs> Uh, available on one of these three rosters that are left. Um, but uh, I think being that... <sighs> All right, well, I am just going to take the player who has would not contribute at all to my team this year. I'm going to take a prospect. Uh, there have not been many prospects taken in this draft, and I'm sorry, Ken... <laughs> Sorry, Ken. I'm gonna take a roster from your a prospect from your roster. I'm taking Drew Jones. Uh, oh, yeah, Dang. yeah. Uh, Sorry, Ken. <laughs> I I love Drew Jones. I think that he's a player who could be just the top prospect in baseball this year. Next time, this time next year, uh, you know, he's recovering from a shoulder injury like almost every single Arizona top prospect appears. Uh, but, you know, son of Andrew Jones. And uh, he has a lot in common with his father. You know, crazy, you know, huge speed, uh, plus plus speed, uh, 6'4 frame, you know, high-waisted, high narrow-waisted, broad-shouldered frame. He's a guy who should add good muscle. You know, the power is already showing up. And I think there's a chance that as he grows into that power it could get to plus plus and raw and uh there's definitely work to be done as there is always to be work to be done with a lot of these you know young prep bats and uh i just think that there's this upside is rivals just about any prospect in baseball to be honest um so drew jones is my pick here how, how much of a gut punch was that ken Last pick of the draft. <laughs> I thought I was going to make it through with him, but yeah. I think I agree. He's probably the best player available. And, uh, you know, at some point through the year, somebody's you might be able to turn him into uh, to an asset. So like that's a, a the other asset somebody's rebuilding or something. Exactly. Helsley would have been the other player I considered. So, yeah. Yeah. There's I think if Dylan I was Cruz that go, oh, sorry. Oh, go. You go ahead. I think oh, that there's like, like when we were looking at Brett's roster, it's funny they went there right away because I was thinking, well, here's Dylan Cruz. Like, I'd still would take CJ Abrams, but to piggyback off what Ken was saying, like, there's a path where you take Dylan Cruz now, and then next year, um, he goes 1 1 or whatever, and you can flip him for something you really need. Yeah. Or he's just crushing early in the college year. You wouldn't even have to wait. Yeah, this is a th- – I mean, we're definitely late in the day here. But I think this is a very important dynasty strategy. I think getting – I mean, part of the reason you roster prospects. I mean, obviously your hope is that these players develop and can help your own team. But part of the reason for many of us is to flip them. <laughs> flip them. And I think that is part of my motivation here with Drew Jones is I think that he's a player who will – 
only see his value increase because he'll come back healthy. And I think he's going to, they're going to sign him probably the low A and he will absolutely crush in low A is my guess. And, you know, we saw that happen with Jordan Lawler and saw where his value went. I think we're going to see that with Drew Jones and I can then flip him at some point in the season for a much better win now piece. If I'm in that, you know, position if i'm trying to push to win now i can then flip him for somebody like that and even now like as we continue this offseason maybe i will flip drew jones but this gives me a high-end prospect asset with huge upside that i could potentially offer to just about any team you know that's the great thing about prospects too is you know most teams will be interested absolutely well uh we're we're pushing up on uh a hundred minutes here, guys. Uh, I really appreciate everyone who took the time to, to hop on. Um, anyone have any, any closing thoughts here before we call it a show? I just wonder if, um, if it's, if you escaped with anybody, like there's somebody that you thought you're going to lose that, uh, you're happy that you like kept them, I guess. Like what, what would have been the worst case scenario for you? And, and was this the worst case scenario? These three. <laughs> this was pretty close because of the, because of the compounding pitching, you know, it, when I had Verlander and McKenzie paired with DeGrom, I was a pain. Like, I was going to be a problem <laughs> in the whip yeah. category, especially. Um, and that's not, like, out the window or anything, but I wasn't really thinking I'd lose McKenzie. I, I was thinking I'd lose Hayter probably for sure, and I was thinking I'd lose Nathaniel Lowe. Um, and that I would probably keep – I thought I might – I know you thought I might lose Verlander. Lander, and I was thinking I'd probably keep Verlander just because a lot of people were skewing so young. I kind of thought people might let me have him. And he got deep into the thing here, 16th overall. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm happy to have low. I was kind of hoping Hater would be my flesh shield. And so that didn't really work out. I think the the relief pitcher aspect here is, is really interesting because yeah. uh, I did I did think, you know, guys like Hater, uh, Felix Bautista, Helsley, like there were – some really premium closers available. And I got to assume all those guys are going to be kept in the next round of keepers where we, we all get to keep uh, eight before the next redistribution draft. So I, I do think this was the chance. If you did want to get a premium closer, this was the chance. Yeah. I, I thought about it, to be honest, I just really fade closers in dynasty personally. And uh, just because their value is so, so role dependent, especially in a saves only format like this one. And, you know, it just can change so quickly. You know, player like Ryan Helsley, who was very much in play with my last pick, um, you know, he is by no means locked in. I mean, his stuff's ridiculous. He has some of the best pure stuff in baseball, uh, but, you know, the command's still very much in doubt. He really struggled at times at the, t- at the end of the year last year, including the playoffs. I don't think that he's locked, um, you know, especially with Jordan Hicks out there with, you know, Giovanni Gallegos. I, that's why I went with someone like Drew Jones. Um, but I definitely can see it. I can see why you'd want to, to try and chase, chase saves, especially late in this draft. I was benching yeah. Hater for a bunch of last year. I mean, he was bad, but like, it, so yeah, I don't know. If I, I didn't really have Bat- somebody take him, you know, <laughs> it's all right. If I didn't have Batista, I might have targeted a closer. I think having one and then not losing him made me a little less uh, nervous yeah. to get one. 
Yeah, um, I sense that, and the volatility, like in general, like like you've all been alluding to. I just, it's hard to pass on uh, something. I feel a little more confident in year. I mean, like a starting pitcher in a weekly league is pretty valuable too. But yeah, um, someone with no closers on their team, like that, that could have been a higher priority. I think. Mm-hmm. I've sent probably like. 20 offers to itch for Josh Hader and uh, same to, to uh, Drew. I get Wheeler. one in 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Jesse, can I, can I just tell me when? <laughs> uh, yes. Trading is reopened. Um, okay. Yeah. Trading gets um, closed like, during the draft. No, I have to keep Hader cause he's going to block the other guys. I want to keep he's protect the other guys. So I can't trade. Yeah. It made sense. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, uh, this was a ton of fun. Um, really appreciate y'all sticking around and really appreciate you uh, doing a lot of the, the hosting, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm just going to post this right after right after the show, even though, even though it's a Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, have a good have a good rest of your weekends. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, it's been fun. Thanks guys. Thanks for coming yeah. on, everyone. Thanks a lot, James, for setting this up. Take care.